Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 92 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Mr. Joey Coastman, and I'm joined by the ever-elusive Mr. Ayers, Sumra Ayers. How are you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good, my friend. Very good. So, right, just before we get into things, I'm going to tell our listeners, this show will probably be a little bit shorter than the usual amount of time that the show's go on for. Usually it's about an hour and ten minutes, something like that. This one, if well, I'd be pretty surprised if it's anywhere near an hour. I think it's probably going to be about a 40-minute job, something like that. Right, we're going to fly through things because there's not too much to go through this week. It's not really been a busy week of boxing. We're going to start with the review part of the show, of course, as always. Uh, we're going to review some of the fights from last weekend. There was one fight to mention that happened over in the Palacio de los Deportes in Benidorm, Spain. Kiko Martinez bouncing back from his loss. He picked up win number 37. He picked up a TKO win in the fourth round over a man called Franklin Varela, who's now got a record of 22-34. and 34. So, um, yeah, quite a few losses. Decent amount of wins there as well. It was actually a cut. So, uh Decent win on paper there for Kiko Martinez. I suppose he gets another win in Spain. Moving over now to the USA at the Belasco Theatre. A couple fights to mention from last week again. Um, Edgar Valario moved to 11-0 with a unanimous decision win over Jairo Ochoa. Uh, that one was a unanimous decision win over eight rounds, by the way. Um, Ochoa was actually down in round one and two. Valerio was down in round two as well. Ochoa was cut under the left eye in round six. So it had a few ups and downs there, especially for the young prospect, Edgar Valerio. He's been on the deck there. Um, nonetheless, he, he got up and won unanimously. Also on that bill, Joshua Franco. He moved to 12-0 and with a six-round unanimous decision win for him over Antonio Rodriguez. So a decent win there for Joshua Franco. I'd like to see him step it up a little bit. Moving over now to Germany. One fight to mention on this bill, Firat Arslan. He picked up win number 40. He's got eight losses and two draws inside 50 fights now. Huge. He took on Goran Delic and he knocked him out in round six. He also now becomes the WBO European Cruiserweight Champion, Mr. Arslan. Uh, the, the belt was vacant, so he's picked up the vacant title there. Good win for him. Uh, he'll probably get another, you know, another shot. I'm surprised they didn't look at him for the... Uh, you know, for the Cruiserweight Super Series, but um, I'm happy they didn't, to be honest, but he is a bit of a name, I suppose, in Eastern Europe. Right, moving over now to the Winter Gardens in Blackpool, Lancashire, United Kingdom. One fight to mention on this bill. Nathan Gorman was supposed to take on Nick Webb. I'm not quite sure why that fight didn't happen. It would have been quite good to see two unbeaten heavyweight contenders or, you know, contenders to a certain level in the UK, both prospects, I suppose. Um... But that fight didn't happen. He ended up taking on Antonio Sosa, who had a record of 4-5 and five with one draw. Nathan Gorman got the man out of there in round 5. He's now 10-0. and 0. Sosa was actually down in the second round of that fight as well. Moving over now to the Wembley Arena, the real big card of the weekend in many ways. We're going to start with the undercard. 
Um, I'm going to start with Chris Congo. He moved to 5-0, promising prospect, a points win over four rounds against the very tough and rugged journeyman William Warburton, which was William Warburton's 150th pro bout. His record after 150 fights, 23 wins, 118 losses, and 9 draws. So, um, yeah, Chris Congo did well to win that fight. Also on the bill, Nathaniel Wilson. That's actually a son of Chris Eubanks Sr., I, I as, as far as I knew, um, was under the impression that they didn't really, you know, they didn't really get on. I don't think Chris Eubank Sr. really wanted to know him. But he ended up on Chris Eubank Jr.'s undercard here, so I'm not quite sure what's going on. But yeah, he moved to 4-0 and with a TKO in round 2 against a man whose name I can't pronounce. He only had 1 win and 9 losses, now 10 losses and 1 draw. So yeah, Nathaniel Wilson now 4-0 and with 1 draw. Good win for him. Also, moving up the card, Martin J. Ward. He picked up his third successful defense of the British title. He's now won it outright just a couple of weeks after Bradley Skeet did it. Obviously, this one... Uh, you know, lower down in weight, of course. He took on Anthony Kakachi, a man who was unbeaten, a man that many people thought or believe, you know, was a very talented fighter. It was a really good fight. Some people actually had uh, Kakachi winning the fight. It was very close. As I said, both men undefeated there. It was a good um, clash of styles. It made for a decent fight. But Martin J. Ward gets the win on paper. He's now 18-0 with two draws. And hopefully we'll see him push on perhaps to European level, something like that. Good win for him unanimously over 12 rounds. Also on the bill, Kid Galahad. He opened up the TV card against Jose Cayetano. Cayetano. 21 and 5, Kid Galahad 22 and 0. They were actually calling him Kid Gallagher a few times in commentary, which was, uh, you know, a bit, a bit, a bit weird to be honest. Um, this one was also for the vacant IBF Intercontinental Featherweight title. Kid Galahad looked really good. He pretty much won every round and got his man out there in the tenth. So, really impressive performance there from Kid Galahad. He seemed to deal with Cayetano. Um, you know, he dominated him. He probably looked a little bit better doing it than Scott Quigg did. So. You know, he put on a bit of a clinic. I'd like to see him moved up against some guys that we actually, you know, we actually know some guys that are, you know, in that position where they've got a credible name still, uh, something like that, maybe a, a contender, something like that, a fringe uh, world-level guy. We definitely need to see Kid Galahad pushed. I want to see him signed with um, a proper promoter. I still think he's without a promoter at the moment, if I'm not mistaken. Um, also moving up the card, very, very bad loss here for Robbie Davies Jr. He was 15-0. and We had him on the show a few weeks ago. He took on the Polish Michael Sirowotka, 18-1. and Some people were saying this was a complete mismatch. You know, I, I don't really think these people know too much about boxing. Some people were saying this was a walk-in-the-park fight for Robbie Davies Jr. going in. Um, I actually had quite a good look at Michael Sirawatka. He looked to be a decent fighter, and... You know, he certainly showed up. He was down in round nine, but he knocked Davies Jr. out in the 12th and final round. So, very unfortunate um, that he couldn't just see out the last matter of seconds, really, to get through that fight. Because for me, he was winning on the cards at the time of the stoppage. So, I felt quite gutted for Robbie Davies Jr. Um, he's obviously got a lot going on outside of the ring as well. He's a really, really good guy. So, um, I was gutted for him, man. But he picks up his first loss there, 15-1. and one. Um, O'Hara Davies has been on Twitter saying some stuff. Really and truly, I'd like to see that fight happen, hopefully. Both coming off a loss there. That would be quite good. But, um, yeah, I feel for him, man. I really do because, you know, he's a really good fighter. But he just, I don't know, he just 
kind of ran out of steam, slowed down a little bit. He got caught with a good few shots. He's definitely tough. There's no way in the world you can question his chin. But um, yeah, it, it all just became a bit too much in that in the later part of that fight. Also on the bill, Lee Selby. Now, I really felt for Lee Selby during fight week. Obviously, his mother passed away a few days before the fight, about three days before the fight. Um, you know, to, to knuckle down and be able to just shut that out of your head and concentrate on a fight of that magnitude. He wasn't just fighting a journeyman. He wasn't just fighting, you know, a British level kind of fight, which, and I'm not knocking British level, obviously. He's fighting for a world title. Obviously, it's his world title. He's defending his world title. It's against a man that was no pushover. Um, obviously, Jonathan Victor Barros, a pretty tough guy, typical South American kind of style, very tough, come forward. Uh, Lee Selby was, you know, Lee Selby, he's just outstanding. Some of his some of his shot selections, class, the boxing off the back foot, really good. He actually had him down in the 12th round. Uh, when Lee Selby put Barros down, I thought that was amazing. So, I I think he put on a brilliant performance despite all this stuff going on outside the ring. You know, like I say, I really don't know how he still went ahead with a fight. I really thought he was way within his rights to pull out of that fight because, you know, your mum dying's a big, big thing, of course. And, um, to you know, to show his professionalism there and just knuckle down and get on with it, really, really classy from Lee Selby. Great performance as well. So he's now 25-1. and one. He gets another defense of the IBF World Featherweight title. He'll be looking at the Frampton fight. He definitely wants that next. Jonathan Victor Barros, 41-5 and five now with one draw. And the main event, of course, Chris Eubank Jr., 24-1 going in, took on Arthur Abraham, 46-5 going in. It was for the IBO World Super Middleweight title, Chris Eubank's um, belt, of course. Now, I'm going to go over to you, Ayaz, before I give my thoughts on this fight. What did you make of Chris Eubank Jr., Arthur Abraham? I think Chris Eubank Jr. was a, I think Chris, Chris Eubank Jr. So performed very, good, very, very good in that fight. Obviously, a lot of people, a lot of people criticize Chris Eubank Jr. for not having that punching power. But to be honest, he's he's moved up from a middleweight to a super middleweight. In my opinion, I reckon Chris Eubank Jr. is actually a middleweight, not a super middleweight. But we know Arthur Abraham. In my opinion, Arthur Abraham is a, a tank. If you look at the shots that Chris Eubank is hitting him, the right, um, he's hitting him with that right hook. But that uppercut with Chris Eubank Jr. With, what is it with him? He's got speed, but his uppercut. And obviously, he was hitting that apricot um, quite a few times to Arthur Abraham. And Arthur Abraham was just standing there. I remember Arthur Abraham was giving some very good shots. But Chris Eubank Jr., he performed very good on that night. And now he's and now he's the final competitor for that World Boxing Tournament. Yeah, um, obviously, we all knew that the winner of that fight was going to be entered into that tournament. I really hope he stays in it. There's obviously a lot of speculation. The Eubanks are very unpredictable. Hopefully, he stays in there. And, you know, he's, he's I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's got a really good opponent in front of him just for his first fight. So, um, yeah, hopefully, they stick to their guns. And hopefully, um, you know, because if they were to pull out, then I think Arthur Abraham would probably step in. So, we don't really want to see that. Um a couple of notes I want to throw in. Obviously, we all know that Chris Eubanks' uppercutting is just one of the best in boxing. You know, he was very speedy. Um, that punch power, you know, I, obviously we all know he's not the biggest puncher. Arthur Abraham's one of the toughest guys as well at that weight. So to not get him out of there is not really surprising. I always thought that Chris Eubank was going to win on points. I think you agreed with me, Ayaz, as well. Um, Arthur Abraham pretty much lost every round. He just got outworked, and that was all it really was. He definitely looked a little bit old in there as well. Um, as for Chris Eubank being at super middleweight, that was his real first kind of acid test at super middleweight. That Reynold Quinlan wasn't really offering much up. But, um, 
yeah, I think I think he did pretty well. I mean, he completely shut him out. I think so um, on my card anyway. So yeah, you know, he kind of did a job like Gilberto Ramirez did or Gilberto Ramirez did. So yeah, I think you know he sets up some some impressive fights in the future. Obviously, we're going to be looking for uh, what Chris Eubank Jr. does next. Again, he's supposed to have this fight. Hopefully, he takes it. But um, yeah, we need to see him step it up. He took a very slow step up there against Arthur Abraham. Obviously, we all knew the age factor. We all knew that it was a step up, but it wasn't the kind of step up that we are expecting at this point of his career. Um, but no, he got through it. He did well. You couldn't really ask for more. The stoppage was always a little bit you know, a little bit far-fetched against someone like Abraham when you don't possess that power. And yeah, maybe he's not really best suited at super middle, middleweight eyes. Maybe he should be down at middleweight. But, you know, nonetheless, a very good performance from him. And like I say, he's got a very bright future as long as he fights these big-name fighters because we need to really see how good he really is. And um, if he does stay in this Super 8 tournament, then we will see that for sure. Moving over now to the Forum, Inglewood, California. I actually watched three bills on Saturday night. It was a really busy Saturday night for me. I watched the Eubank card, obviously. Then I watched the the PBC card. And then, um, the, you know, I streamed that one. Just like I did the Eubank one, actually. So, uh, sorry about that. And um, I ended up watching the Box Nation card, which was obviously over in the Forum, Inglewood, which I'm just about to mention. Um... Firstly, I'm going to start on this card with the Joe Smith Jr. and Sullivan Barrera fight. Joe Smith Jr., we all said he had a fantastic 2016. Went into this fight against Sullivan Barrera. I actually said it on last week's show. I said I think this is a little bit of a step too far. I think Barrera's too good of a boxer for Joe Smith to be able to walk through. I think that Sullivan Barrera's very underrated. That one loss coming to uh, Andre Ward, obviously. Now... Joe Smith Jr. had a really good start to the fight. He obviously dropped Barrera in round one. It was for the WBC International Light Heavyweight title. When he dropped him in round one, I thought, wow, he's going to actually knock this guy out. And it's going to just be unbelievable. If he knocks out Barrera, Bernard Hopkins, and Andre Fomfara in, in about 18 months, that's just unbelievable. So, yeah, he had a really good start. But if I'm not mistaken, and I've heard this since the fight's ended, but I don't really think Joe Smith Jr. wanted to make too much of a big deal about it. But I'm not sure if it's facts or rumor. But apparently, Joe Smith Jr. had his jaw broken in, like, the first or second round. So for the duration of the fight, after having his jaw broke, he was boxing rather than coming forward really aggressively. He was trying to box off the back foot a little bit to kind of, you know, protect his jaw. And he just doesn't know how to fight like that. He's not good enough fighting like that. That's not his style. So it ended up being a pretty clear Barrera win for me. I didn't want him to win because I really do like Joe Smith. He's very down to earth. Obviously, we all know he's a construction worker um, by day and a boxer by night, as it seems. So, um, yeah, he's an everyday type of guy. He's your he's your typical next-door neighbor. And, um, yeah, it was a real shame because this might have kind of ended the gravy train a little bit. But I do want to see him jump back on it because... I just think that that was a bad matchup in terms of styles. I think the Sullivan Barrera fight really is kind of like high risk, low reward. And um, 
yeah, I didn't I didn't really think it was a great fight. I thought it was going to be really good, don't get me wrong, but I didn't think I thought it was a little bit too tough. I think he's had some good fights and I think he kind of deserves a bit of a soft touch and this was not a soft touch by any means. So yeah, I feel a little bit sorry for Joe Smith Jr, but nonetheless, uh, Sullivan Barrera picks up a 10 round unanimous decision. It was funny because it was actually scheduled for 12 on the TV. The commentators ringside were even saying on the telecast that we've got it down as a 12 rounder, but it was actually a 10 rounder. So so um, I bet Joe Smith was happy about that, seeing as he had to, you know, nurse a broken jaw throughout that fight. So Sullivan Barrera now twenty and one, Joe Smith Jr. twenty three and two. Um, good win there, I suppose, for Barrera over the stretch. Also going over to the main event, I suppose. Um, Miguel Burchelt against Takashi Mura. This one was obviously for the WBC World Super Featherweight Title. Miguel Burchelt's belt. Now, Mura was down in round one. We all thought that this fight was going to be a really, um, a, you know, a real war, a slugfest, stuff like that. And it didn't really live up to that. It kind of turned into a little bit of a boxing match for the most part. Um, I don't think Mura really did too well. I think he wasn't really fighting too smart. I think he was, uh, you know, not using his tools properly. I think Bichelt was happy to accommodate that and he kind of sat back boxed a little bit and you know he looked the classier guy in there the, the way the two guys were fighting so yeah Bichelle ends up picking up a 12th round unanimous decision win he's now 32 and 1 he picks up a defense of that title and Takashi Mura now 31 and 4 with two draws he'll be scratching his head he'll have to go back to the drawing board also on that bill as well Jezreel Corrales, 21 and 1, took on Robinson Castellanos, 24 and 12, going in. It was for the WBA Super World Super Featherweight title, obviously, Corrales' belt. Now, it was a funny old fight. Um, Corrales was down twice in round 4. Castellanos was down in round 7. Castellanos was cut in the middle of his forehead in round 2. It was pretty. Uh, pretty grim and also cut under the right eye in round seven both of those by the way were from accidental headbutts um, Corrales was also cut on the right eye in round three that one was a legal punch that opened that cut up um, but ultimately the fight ended up being stopped due to a Castellanos cut caused by an accidental headbutt uh, it was ended up being stopped in round 10 so it went down as a technical decision so um I think a little bit of the round 10 was actually scored as well, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it ends up being a technical decision win for the champion, Jezreel Corrales. So he's now 22-1. and one. Robinson Castellanos, 24-13. and 13. Um, But no, in some ways it was a war. It was one of those ones where it puts a bit of mileage on the clock for both fighters here. It, it kind of was the war that we expected Bichel and Mura to deliver, but, you know, the undercard delivered it. So, all in all, it was a decent card for Box Nation. Um, but, yeah, you know, blood everywhere. And Corrales, I suppose, does well for being on the deck twice in round four to actually get up and win a decision. So, uh, yeah, really, really pleased for him. Moving over now to the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York, USA. Uh, this is the one of the last cards to mention from last week. Um, I'm going to start with Brandon Figueroa, the brother of Omar Figueroa. He moved to 13-0 and with a unanimous decision win against his opponent, who had a record of 28-6 and with three draws. So his name was Fatio Fasinu, I think it was. So, uh, yeah, Brandon Figueroa now 13-0, and unanimous decision win over eight rounds. Also on that bill, Jamal James beat Jojo Dan. Um, Jojo Dan now 36-5, and Jamal James 
21 and 1, a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds. I didn't actually see that Jojo Dam fight, but um, yeah, he's he's not a good fighter at all. Also, very upset about this, Arta Spilka, 20 and 2. He's obviously fought at a higher level than his opponent here, Adam Kalnaki, 15 and 0. Um, yeah, and I really thought Spilka was going to do a job on him, but no, it wasn't to be. Spilka got caught with a few big shots in the fourth round. I think he was probably uh, winning the few the few rounds before. I missed a little bit, but I just saw the knockout pretty much. Um, I've heard a few things, but no, a TKO in round four for Adam Kalnaki. He's now 16-0 and 0 for the, uh, the New York-based Polishman, um, yeah, so very gutted for Arthur Spilka. Some people saying he needs to retire. I think that's a little bit harsh. He's a he's a good guy, but um, that certainly wasn't him in that ring. But Kalnaki may be the next best thing. Who knows? I think he's a little bit it's a little bit old, but we'll have to wait and see. Arthur Spilka now twenty and three, but a big loss to him. He has to go back to Poland with the shame of that. Also on the bill, Marcus Brown, 19-0, took on Shawnee Monaghan, 28-0. A really good fight on paper. Um, Marcus Brown, all in all, was a little bit too seasoned for Shawnee Monaghan. Um, Marcus Brown, obviously, with that amateur pedigree, the two actually knew each other really well. They'd done many rounds sparring. Uh, Marcus Brown just had too much about him straight away. Shawnee Monaghan's not really good with his defense. Marcus Brown started very fast. He actually had... Monaghan down in round one. Monaghan, they actually call him Monaghan, I should be saying. Monaghan was down in round one, and I actually was very surprised that he got through that first round. I wanted him to get through the first round because, you know, it's, it's never good when you see a fight ending the first round like that. And yeah, he got through the first round, come out in the second, and straight away Marcus Brown jumped all over him, did what you're supposed to do when a man's hurt, and TKO'd him in round two. So a brilliant, brilliant win there for Marcus Brown. He's now 20-0, and 0, Shawnee Monaghan 28-1. and 1. Really, really good fight. I really enjoyed that. And now the main event of this card, this again was the PBC card from last Saturday. A man that was on our show, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was last week, Omar Figueroa Jr., 26-0, returning to the ring after 19 months out. He's got one draw as well. He took on Robert the Ghost Guerrero, 33-5 and with one draw. Boy, oh boy. Firstly, Robert Guerrero did really well in round one, I thought. He seemed to kind of look like the old Guerrero. He was really boxing. He wasn't sort of mixing it up. He wasn't in a war. He was just boxing really smart. Omar Figueroa, I think he's noted, you know, he's noted to kind of start a little bit slow. That seemed to be the case and I was a little bit worried because in that first round I thought that he even was in a little bit of trouble, Omar Figueroa there. But no, Guerrero was knocked down three times in round two. Omar Figueroa came out after that first round that wasn't really a great first round for him. He came out in round two on a seek and destroy mission. He really was. He put Guerrero down three times in round two. And um, Guerrero, to be honest, did really well to, 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 to actually survive that round. He came out in round three and... I think he was knocked down once and then he got back up and absolutely went wild and he ended up getting knocked down again so he was down five times in total um Robert Guerrero so that was a huge win a really explosive brilliant looking win there for Omar Figueroa he's now 27 and 0 with one draw Robert Guerrero now 33 and 6 with one draw inside 40 fights and he's also decided two days after that fight to hang up the gloves and retire he's a man that's probably hung around the game a little bit too long he's achieved 
absolutely shed loads. So so he can hold his head high wherever he goes because he's you know he's had a really good career, but he's he's kind of neglected his boxing skills and turned into a bit of a warrior. And we don't really like to see people go on too long when they decide to fight like that, especially a man who once upon a time you know was a really good boxer. So um, yeah, probably the right time for him to retire before it starts. You know, before he kind of starts demolishing his legacy. So, Ayers, I know that you also watched the uh, this fight here, Omar Figueroa Jr. and Robert Guerrero. What did you make of it? An absolute war for those three rounds. Oh, I think it was a war. I think Omar Figueroa, obviously, has been out for 18 months. Is that correct? Yeah? I think it was 19. Uh, I may be mistaken. Okay, 19 months, right. But it looks like he hasn't been outside the ring. Obviously, Robert Guerrero is a two-way world champion. And you know, we've seen him in fights. Who's he fought? He fought Danny Garcia. He's fought Keith Furman. He's fought Floyd Mayweather Jr. He's fought Andre Butter. And he's fought all these top fighters, right? He's been a very good fight, and obviously, like um, the way Omar Figueroa dropped him was unbelievable. He's it was a very good fight, and the way he's beaten him was very, very good. And obviously, after the fight, yeah, um, we just seen in the in the news recently that um, uh, Robert Guerrero has uh, successfully retired. Obviously, I say good luck with him in the future, and and obviously, he's had a successful career. He's become a two weight world champion. Yeah, and yeah, as you say, I, I echo your words there, Ayas. We wish him all the very best of luck. He's a good guy. I remember he put his boxing career on hold to look after his wife who, who had cancer for a while. So um, yeah, a quality, quality guy. We wish him all the very best with whatever uh, venture he decides or whatever road he decides to go down or venture to follow. So yeah, all the very best to him. Um, yeah, last thing I'm going to say on that, Omar Figueroa did look a tiny bit fleshy for me. I think his best weight's probably 140. He's going to try and get back down there. He needs to get back down there, but no, nah, really good performance from him. He looked really exciting there. And finally, the final card to mention from last week, it was happening over in the Rapids Coliseum in Alexandria, Louisiana, USA. This fight actually happened um, Tuesday of this week. So um, a couple of days ago, it actually happened. Um, but yeah, the results come in, obviously. There was one fight, really, or two fights to mention on this card. Edwin Rodriguez, 28-2. and two. He picked up a TKO in round two at Cruiserweight against Melvin Russell, 10-1, and one, now 10-2 and two with two draws. So, decent win there for Edwin Rodriguez. And the main reason why we're focusing on this card, the former IBF heavyweight world champion, Charles Martin, made his return to the ring on Tuesday night fights. He moved to 25 wins with one loss, obviously, to Anthony Joshua and one draw. It was a KO in round one against Michael Marone. So an explosive win there for Charles Martin. Some people say he's gone crazy, but if you actually look, he's weighing in less than he did for the Joshua fight. So he must be taking training very seriously. Right, that's it for the review, and it's now time to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF featherweight champion of the world, Mr. Billy Dib. Billy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you. Hey, thank you so much. Right, so Billy, last time we spoke, it was in December of last year. It was the week of your last fight. You won that fight by a first-round knockout. I know you wasn't too happy with the referee's performance, but nonetheless, you closed out what was a very rocky 2016 on a high. Now, some listeners wouldn't know this, but um, me and Billy have got a really good relationship, and I looked at our conversation today, actually, the conversation that we had in December of last year, and I said to you that 2017 can only be better than 2016 because 2016 as I said it was very rocky and straight away you've made the move to the States you're now fighting out of the Robert Garcia gym how did that come about and how is that going for you Bill? 
Well, it's, it's going really, really well, to be honest. And, and the, the, the way it came about was I, um, I got in contact with Robert Garcia and I asked him that you know, if I sent him some footage of my last couple of fights, if he could analyse it and let me know what he thought and whether he'd be interested in working with me. And um, he simply replied back by saying, I'm very, very impressed with what I've seen. And he said, um, I love challenges. So, yes, I'd definitely love to work with you. So what I did was I just uh, made my way to the U.S., uh, spent some time in a camp with Robert. You know, we got to know each other and um, spent some time working together. And we got along really, really well. And he invited me back. And now, um, thankfully, you know, um, through a great relationship with Mikey and his team, you know, I've been able to land on the undercard of Broner versus with um, versus Mikey, which is a really, really good opportunity for me. Yeah, it certainly is. And obviously, you're training alongside Mikey Garcia. Who else is actually in that gym, Billy? Oh, it's the who's of boxing, to be honest with you. It's, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of stars are in that gym. you you got, um, obviously, you got Mikey, you got um, Abner Marez, you've got Josecito Lopez, then you've got um, Eric De Leon, you've got um, uh, Tanahara, you've got Frankie, uh, you've got Franco, you've got um, Bam Bam. Uh, you know, you, the, the the list is it just goes on. You know, there's former Olympians, Misael, there's uh, the Olympic uh, silver medalist from the 2012 Olympics, um, the uh, Brazilian kid. I mean, the gym is just an A-list gym, no doubt about that, you know. And Billy, who are you signed with now promotionally? Basically, at the moment, I'm a free agent. I um, I haven't been signed with anybody for a long time, but basically right now what I'm doing is working underneath Mikey and, uh, and uh, Robert. And, uh, you know, I, I think uh, you, this fight's on our Heyman card, so, you know, providing I have a good win and an impressive victory, you know, I might find myself linked up to the um, our Heyman stable. Hey, fingers crossed. And I, um, I I actually thought to myself, to be honest, that you might have possibly signed for the, uh, you know, Haymaker ring star, David Hayes' little thing at the moment. Was was that ever a possibility? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I, I spoke to David and told him that I'd love to do that. You know, he never got back to me, but that's something that I'd definitely love to do. You know, I, I'm really, really fond of David. He and I are good friends, and I'd definitely love to be part of that stable. Yeah. So moving to the States, obviously a long way away from Australia, how are you finding the life over there aside from boxing? I mean, everything's cool. I'm currently living with Mikey Garcia and his team. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's been very hospitable. They've been very, very hospitable towards me. And, you know, I've, I'm actually pretty happy over here. But um, basically the situation is that I just come here for training camps and then I go back home to my family. So it's not like I'm here for a very, very long time. You know, it's this time, by the time the fight gets here, I would have been here for just, just under six weeks. So, you know, um, it's considered a really good camp. And I've come here in shape. And obviously, uh, working under Robert, I've gotten into better shape. And um, hopefully on July 29th, you guys are going to see a fantastic um, performance and a great victory. Now, Billy, you're ranked third in the IBF rankings, but the first and second places are vacant. And also, I saw a document today that Tevin Farmer, who's ranked number five, will now fight Francisco Fonseca, who's ranked number seven. And apparently, the winner of that will will then be ranked number one and be the mandatory for the champion, uh, Javante Davis's title. It's all a little bit confusing. Obviously, there was a period of time where you were linked with the Tevin Farmer fight. Why did that fight end up not happening? Well, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Um, what happened was is that the RBF contacted me and said um, that I'm to start negotiations with the Japanese kid by the name of Kanishi Ogawa. 
uh, when we reached out to Kanishi Agawa's team, they turned the fight down. Next in line was another Japanese guy, and uh, his, his team also turned the fight down, which then led to the fight with Farmer. And unfortunately for Farmer, he was injured at the time, and I couldn't afford to sit out until September or you know whatever day he wanted um, to wait for his injury to get better because I needed to get back in the ring. I'd been, I hadn't been in the ring since December, so I contacted the IVF, um, the IVF and they said, look, we're happy to give you a um, uh, an extension and in a year you, we allow you to have a fight. So basically now what they're doing is just they'll let them feel the normal spot. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I spoke directly with Tavon Farmer and, you know, I had Farmer asked me if I'd step aside and let him fight Javante. And I said, mate, I'm happy to do whatever you want. You know what I mean? You want to fight Javante, uh, be my guest, you know what I mean? So he, he now gets this uh, eliminator. I'm sure he'll win the eliminator and set up this whole title fight. And then we'll see what happens, you know what I mean? But I'm just going to sit back and let it all unfold and, you know, when the time is right, I'll uh, I'll make sure that I'm in position to fight for that world title. And obviously, you know, instead of that fight, you're now going to be taking on Yardley Suarez, a man that uh, he's got a record of 22 and eight, but only has really lost to a bunch of still undefeated prospects, maybe bar one or two losses. He's only 23, which was surprising because I think he's had about 30 fights. This will be his 31st fight. Um, do you know much about him at all, Billy? Of course, you know, I've, I've seen a little bit of footage of Yardley. Um, you know, he's definitely, um, you know, typical Mexican, tough, comes to fight. Some, you know, obviously I've prepared really, really well. I don't I don't take anybody lightly. I haven't underestimated him by no means. For me, every fight is a uh, is a, is a danger fight. And I, um, it, it could spell the end, you know. So I work really, really hard knowing that, um, you know, this is his opportunity to shine on a big stage. And I'm not going to allow him to do that. And this will be your 10th fight in America, if I'm not mistaken. All of the nine previous fights you've had in America have gone the distance. Do you believe that you can get your first knockout on American soil here, Billy? Well, well, I hope so. I definitely, definitely hope so. You know, I've been working really hard with Robert in the gym. And I, um, I believe that, you know, God willing, that I'm going to go out there and have a really, really sensational performance. I, I'm not going to say that I'm going to be looking for the knockout because, um, you know, for me, a win is a win. I'm not what you call a uh, devastating puncher, but I I do, I do have hurt a lot of the guys that I fought in the U.S. I've knocked a few of them down, just unfortunately haven't been able to finish them. But this time around, you know, with, with Robert in the corner and a new new team and a new method of training, um, God willing, you know, we'll be looking for, for a good win. And the main event um, of that night, I must say, I must get your thoughts on that. The 29th of July, as you said, Adrian Broner and your, uh, well, stable mate, gym mate, housemate, you may as well say, Mikey Garcia. How's he looking in the gym? Who do you see winning that fight, Billy? Well, well, to be completely honest with you, um, Mikey's work ethic is second to none. This guy works extremely hard. You know, he uh, he deserves to be where he is because... He's the meaning of hard training, to be honest with you. He really, really works hard. He's been sparring really well. He's been looking really, really well in the gym. And so, you know, this, he leaves no stone unturned. You know, he runs every day. He trains every day. He, um, I've done it all alongside him. So I've seen firsthand, you know, how this, uh, you know, future pound-for-pound star is training. And I, and I believe that come July 29th, you know, Adrian Broner has definitely made a mistake um, sharing the ring with Mikey Garcia because it's not 
it's, it's very difficult to beat a man who is so confident in his ability. And, uh, you know, Mikey's undefeated for a reason, and I believe he will remain undefeated on the 29th. Yeah, certainly a really good fight. Certainly a really good fight. Also, another one I wanted to get your opinion on. And the last um, real question I've got for you, to be honest, Billy, before we let you go, Triple G and Canelo. I know that it's a huge fight, um, well, everywhere in the world, but especially in America. I know it's got a lot of people talking over there. What's your thoughts on that fight? I think it's a tremendous fight. You know, it's a long, been a long time coming, but I think that, um, you know, they've built the fight really, really well. Um, in the end, uh, Canelo had no choice but to fight TGZ, and I feel that once that fight comes around, I, I think you know, even though it will be a competitive fight, I feel that GGG will will uh, will do really, really well, and I think he'll get he'll he'll get a really decisive victory. You know, I'm I'm, I'm expecting him to to knock Canelo out. So you know, I know that Canelo is a good chin, and I know he hasn't ever been knocked out before, but I've seen him hurt on a few occasions, and I feel that. GGG is going to have the power to actually um, dominate him in that fight. Yeah, certainly another fantastic fight. There's there's a lot to talk about at the moment. Boxing is booming. Right, just before we let you go, Billy, anything you want to tell our listeners? Anything you want to tell anyone? Any any shout outs you might want to give at all? Anything? Uh, just before we let you go. Yeah, I just just want to say that I um I want to thank all the fans and supporters for all the support because uh, without you guys, it wouldn't be possible. And, um, you know, I'd like to dedicate this fight to my uncle who passed away yesterday, um, Amal Fayez. And so hopefully on July 29th, I'm going to make him really, really proud. Okay, may he rest in peace, Billy. Listen, it's always great to speak to you. Best of luck for the 29th, and we'll catch up sometime afterwards. Hi, my friend. God bless you. Thank you so much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part, but there's a little bit of news come out this week, and Ayaz is going to be the man for that. Ayaz, bring in this week's news. Callum Smith will take on um, Eric Skogelen on September 16th at the Echo Arena in Liverpool as part of the World Boxing Series for the vacant WBC uh, Boxing Diamond Belt. Yeah, Eric Skogland is 26-0. and 0. Obviously, Callum Smith is 22-0. and 0. So, both men undefeated. Both men can bang a bit, I suppose. Skogland not really got the, um, you know, the, the, the really high knockout ratio like Callum Smith's got. But he has mixed it, arguably, at better level, some people would say. Um, he's fought some decent guys, including a really old Glenn Johnson. But no... Um, you know, he's been in there with Lalenga Mock, Luke Blackledge, guys like that he's beaten. Obviously, he went the distance with Luke Blackledge and um, Callum Smith knocked him out brutally. So, I don't know if you can really go off much there. But, no, he's probably, I mean, he's, you know, he's a, he's a good fighter and all that. But for me, he's probably one of the underdogs in the whole Super 8 thing. So I think it's a good fight for Callum Smith. He's going to probably look good in this one. They've managed to get the fight at the Eka Arena in his hometown. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, it's a good fight, but I think it's one he's going to probably win and win comfortably. The only thing I will say on that one, actually, is that, um, unfortunately, it's the same night as the, um, you know, as the, uh, the Canelo and Golovkin card. So... I know that Frank Warren's going to be doing like a undercard over here, so that's going to then clash with the Callum Smith fight. So I'm a bit annoyed about that, but yeah, that's all I can really say on that one. Yes, um, Terry Flanagan versus Felix Video has been postponed as Terry Flanagan has pulled a leg injury. 
Yeah, he's got a leg injury. That one was actually supposed to happen on the same night. Again, it was supposed to happen on the 16th of September, as we just talked about, the Callum Smith fight, uh, you know, happening on the same day. This one was actually supposed to happen on the Frank Warren card, uh, you know, along with Billy Joe Saunders. That's now not happening. So, um, yeah, I feel for Terry Flanagan, really, because this one was going to be a really good fight. Hopefully, they reschedule it. Yep. Kez Asbach and... Olympic silver medalist Joy Joyce has, have, have turned professional and have signed a Haymaker Ringstar promotion. Yeah, David Hay, I think he's announced something that they're going to be, you know, airing these fights on free-to-air TV. I think it's Channel Dave again. I'm not quite sure of the arrangement, but yeah, he signed these two um, Olympians, Ashfak and Joyce. Obviously, Joyce being the guy that everybody's really excited about. Um, so yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to that, especially the fact they're going to be on free to air TV. I just hope that they're active enough because we really need to see those guys, you know, in, in, in a lot of fights pretty soon. Cause you know, they, they, they're not getting any younger and yeah, these guys really could have turned pro a little, a little, a little while ago. They've, they've waited for, for it. So hopefully we see them out quite a few times. Um, and hopefully Hay gets the dates and all that, but no, I'm looking forward to that. And finally, um, the WBC have ordered a fight between Danny Garcia and Sean Porter. Yes, what a fight. Hopefully uh, this gets announced very soon. That's just a brilliant fight. You know, Keith Furman obviously fought both guys. Um, you know, he emerged victorious against both guys. It's for the WBC um, interim title, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that the winner's going to be in line again to fight Furman. So it's going to be some kind of rematch. Um, so yeah, hopefully this fight gets made. It's a brilliant fight. I'm going to just put you on the spot, eyes. actually. Who do you think would win that fight, Sean Porter or Danny Garcia? I'll go for Danny Garcia. I'd go for Sean Porter, but nah, it's a brilliant fight. Just testament there to how close this fight is. It's a real 50-50. Hopefully it happens. I know that um, Sean Porter made a video saying that he's fighting the cherry picker next. Hopefully this fight gets made, man. It's going to be a brilliant, brilliant fight. Is that it for the news, eyes? yeah? Yes, it is. Okay, my man, right, let's get to the preview in. There's not too much to preview this week. One fight to mention over in Germany, Erkan Tepper, 16-2. His opponent is yet to be announced. It's a six-rounder at heavyweight. That's all I've got for Germany. Moving over now to Puerto Rico in the Sheraton Puerto Rico Hotel and Casino in San Juan. One fight to mention over there, Amanda Serrano, 32-1 with one draw. The WBO World Female Super Bantamweight Champion. She puts her belt on the the line over 10 two-minute rounds against Adina Kiss, who has a record of 13 and 4. So, you know, Amanda Serino, very good fighter. Looking forward to her. Um, also, going over to Mexico now, former world champion Johnny Gonzalez. I actually thought he'd retire, but no, he's in bout number 74 here against Jesse Chris Rosales, 21 and 0 with one draw. It's for the WBC Latino Super Featherweight title. Johnny Gonzalez, 63 and 10 at the moment. Really um, interesting fight, I suppose. A 10-rounder there for that belt. That's it for Mexico, though. Moving over now to the Brentwood Center in Brentwood, Essex. Top of the bill over there, Johnny Coyle, 16-0, and 0, takes on Innocent and Yamwu. Now, Johnny Coyle was a real, real good fighter. He's a traveler. He won prize fighter. He, you know, his career hasn't really caught light since that, but he's 16-0. I've seen him fight a couple times at York Hall. That man can fight. I'm really excited to see what happens with him, but no, we need to see him in there against some decent guys. Um, this one's going to be a... Uh, well, Innocent and Yamwu is actually a tough guy, but... Um, 
you know, I expect Johnny Coyle to get the job done. But no, I definitely want to see what's next for him. John Wayne Hibbert's fighting again. He's 17-5. and five. He takes on a man called Arvidas Trisno, who has a record of 25-65 and 65 with three draws. It's a six-rounder at Super Welterweight there. Hopefully, John Wayne Hibbert wins that fight. If he doesn't, I'm sure he'll retire, actually. Tyler Goodjohn on the bill as well, a former foe of John Wayne Hibbert. His record, 12-5. and five. He takes on Adam Barker, 4-0 and oh at Welterweight, this one. Don't really know who Adam Barker is, but that should be decent. Um, Sonny Edwards, the brother of Charlie Edwards, he's on this bill as well. His record, 4-0. and oh. His opponent to be announced. It's a six-rounder, apparently, at Bantamweight. Um, he's supposed to be a flyweight, so I'm not sure what that's about. Also on the bill, Dave Allen, 11 and 3 with one draw, takes on heavyweight Tom Dallas, 17 and 9. That should be a fun fight. It's a four rounder that one. I'm sure that David Allen's going to go in there to try and take Tom Dallas's head off. But um, yeah, these four rounders are a little bit tricky. I'm very surprised it's a four rounder. I think I'm very surprised by that. I would imagine it should have really been a six or an eight rounder. I think Dave Allen's more suited across the the longer distance than Tom Dallas is. Also on the bill, the final fight to mention on this one, Larone Richards, seven and O, takes on Lewis Van Poach, five and forty-eight with one draw. Journeyman, let's be honest, but Larone Richards should get the job done here. Uh, I think he was at the Bradley Skeet fight the other day. I saw him there. Uh, yeah, so hopefully he moves to 8-0. It's a four-rounder at super middleweight, that one. That's it for the Brentwood Centre in Essex. Moving over now to Italy. One fight to mention on this bill. Giovanni De Carolis, the old foe of Tyrone Zoiga, he's in a 12-round super middleweight for the vacant WBA international super middleweight title. His record 24-7 and with one draw. He takes on a man called Viktor Polyakov, 12-1 with one draw. I don't know anything about the guy, to be completely honest, but, you know, that's a fight we certainly have to mention. It's a fight of note to some degree. But that's really it. That's all the previewing. So there's no fights on TV this weekend. There's not really anything big to mention. So we've just whizzed through the level of fights that are just a little bit under the um, you know the top level, I suppose. So um, yeah, all the very best to everybody uh, on the bills that we've mentioned, and uh, you know all the guys that fought last weekend as well. That's uh, of course the reviewing done. That's the news done. That's guest number one done. That's the previewing done as well. There's one last thing to do before we wrap up the show, but you should know this if you've listened before. It's of course to welcome guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the new WBO Intercontinental Welterweight Champion, Mr. Gary Corcoran. Gary, welcome to the show. Cheers, man. No, no problem. Hey, it's my pleasure having you oh. on, Gary. So, Gary, you fought on the Copper Box card a couple of weeks back against Larry Ekendeo. Now, firstly, ever since that fight got announced, I thought it was a brilliant fight. I saw it as a 50-50, in my honest opinion. Now, the problem being was that it was at welterweight, and obviously your best work up to that stage had been done at uh, light middleweight, and you'd only had the one fight at welterweight since moving down in weight. And in that fight, you know, you took it easy, you fought, let's be respectful but a bit of a journeyman uh so for me i i kind of saw the fight that you know that's what i saw from your perspective as for larry ekendeo obviously we all know he won prize fire as a light middleweight that was quite a while back now that was within a couple of fights which was you know a really big achievement and then he moved down to welterweight and he'd been there for about three years and in that time he had a couple of good wins not to mention he was undefeated in 12 fights until he met you so those facts made it a really hard fight to call however once again gary you took another man's o what did you make of that fight yeah, it was a good fight. Uh, what what I did do, I I made it kind of messy 
I made it to fight Conor Messi. It wasn't, it wasn't my best performance. It wasn't my best performance. But the main thing is I got the W and that's, that's, I'll find a way to win and I'll find a way to win. And Gary, where does Larry go from here? I know that his career's, um, you know, it's been a little bit kind of hit and miss. He, he's won all his fights, but he's got a lot going on, obviously, outside the ring as well. Where do you see him going from here? I hope he goes forward for that, because I know Larry well. I know him well. So I hope he uh, I hope he goes on from that. He can learn from that. I learned from my lose. When I lost that fight, I was never a light middleweight. I was always in between. I was always in between, so... He can, I, he can learn from it. He can learn from it. Come back. He can come back even better. Who would I do? Come back, fight whoever, beat, beat the best fellows in front of you, and that's how you'll prove yourself. And Gary, I was saying on last week's podcast that you now become a hard fight for anybody at welterweight. Do you have your sights set on anybody in particular? Yeah, yeah um, my sight is to take over the welterweights in this country. I want to be... Uh, I want to be ranked number one. That's 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 my plan, and I know I can come number one in the country. But uh, just get me the fight. I just want the British title. I, I want the British title. Get the British, and see where it goes from there. Obviously, it's looking like Bradley may vacate that title. He hasn't done it as of yet, but um, you know, it's looking like he's going to vacate that after winning it outright on the same night as yeah. as your fight. Um, do you know what a fight I'd really like to see and. You know, I don't know if it's going to happen. It could be a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, the promoters getting in the way of that. But I think you and Frankie Gavin's a really good fight. Uh, me, Frank Gavin. I know Frank Gavin well. He's my mate. I know John Page. He's new trainers and that. And Soggy. And, uh, yeah, if that fight happens, it happens. It's business. Me, Frankie's mate as well. So it's business to me. Whatever's per, whatever suits, if he wants to fight me for the British, I'll fight him. It doesn't matter. Whoever fighting for the British and the British is vacated and it's just business yeah yeah fair enough fair enough um after the fight I didn't actually happen to see it because I was the other side of the ring but you got in some kind of altercation with Liam Williams what actually happened there Gary 10 days before the fight even less but 7 or 8 days before the fight there was something said ages ago about the fight about Liam Williams but uh he got he got nutted he got nodded in the face and he got he got a cut in his eye. But I said, I got nine stitches on my eye. I got nine stitches on my eye. So when I fought him and he gave me a blatant headbutt, I said, I got on with it. From that was from the third full round. I said, get on with it. And I said, Liam didn't. Liam panicked. Went, ah. Oh. And he jumped out. He said, I don't want to fight. So that's what he said. I said, basically, his arsehole went. That's all I said about him. From there, it kicked off. And obviously, you you just touched on there the uh, the Liam Williams and Liam Smith fight. That fight looks like it's going to be happening again sometime before the end of the year. How do you see the rematch yeah. playing out? I think Will- Williams did really well, though. No, I, listen. The thing I did say, I said Williams was winning. Williams was winning the fight in my eyes. In my eyes, I had him two, three rounds up. But I think Liam Smith has his number now. I think Liam Smith has his number because he knows how to fight him. And if it looks like Liam blows out of wind, the uh, Liam Williams blows out of uh, out of wind. Well, how Liam fights him? So I t- I fancy Liam Smith to stop him later on again. 
Okay, fair enough. And another huge fight. It's uh, it's great that Box Nation have picked it up. Uh, Canelo and Triple G obviously happening. Um, you know, September. Uh, what, what's your take on that fight? Who do you see coming out victorious? Uh, Golovkin winning that fight. I you haven't seen his his best lately in his last one or two, but I think for this fight he's going to be well up for it. He needed a bit of a break. Got that bit of a break. I think he's going to be well up for this fight. Things will be well up, and I fancy him beating them strongly. Yeah, certainly a brilliant fight. Um, so at this stage, Gary, have you got any idea when you're back in the ring? Uh, I'm going on holiday next week, so when I get back, when I get back, a few days, I'm going to be gone for a few days, and uh, when I get back straight away, hopefully it'll be announced I'll be fighting some big fight, whatever it be, because I'm ranked in it. I should be ranked in the top 10 in the world as well in the WBO, so... Uh, see what fights he has deal for me because there's a lot of fight in this country I wouldn't take after beating Larry anyway Larry's probably one of the hardest to fight in this country at World of Weight and I just beat him know what I mean so whatever deal for me whatever's right on the whatever's right for me on business what's right for business on me so that's, that's the main thing yeah there's certainly a lot of open doors for you at the moment so yeah as you said there you're going on holiday you're going anywhere nice yeah, I'm going to be for, for, for a few days. Yeah, going to be for a few days. So when I get back, they get back down to the drawing board, see who we're fighting. And um, I wanted to ask you this as well, but I think you've kind of made it a little yeah. bit clear uh, during this interview. Will you be staying at 147 then? This is a question which would have been pointless asking it before this <laughs> fight, because I think this fight was really the test, which, you know, you can ask yourself that question. I will eventually move back up the light middle. I will eventually move back up, but not right now. Not right now. I'm set there right now. The fight before against James Gordon, the journeyman I fought over in Ireland, I was yeah, I was ten five and a half. I was ten five and a half. Last one was ten seven. So I'm I'm always been a welterweight, but for the Liam Williams fight, if it's if it's right on the table, a perfect fight, and for the perfect time, perfect it means business sense. I will go up and fight Liam Williams again. That's no problem. Is that the only fight you fancy at 154, or is that just the only fight that you've kind of got in your visions at that weight at the moment? That's the only, I got, that's the only fight I got in my visions. Yeah. Is that one? That's the only fight I got in my visions. At the moment, know what I mean? If I get offered to go up, there's a bigger fight, I'll take it. Know what I mean? So, but the, the main thing to do is just concentrate on my career, just keep winning, keep winning. And if that's he has a big, if he has a big title, I have a big title, I still, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Well said, well said. And just before I let you go, Gary, have you got anything that you want to say to you know any of our listeners, any shout-outs that you want to give anybody at all, anything like that? No, I just want to say thank you to my sponsor, Ringside, for sorting me out with the gear and all that. So, yeah, it's a big thank you to uh, my gym, Peacock Gym, and my trainers, Peter Stanley, for, uh, Frank Reason, and that's it, yeah. Okay, my man, okay. Listen, Gary, it's always a pleasure. I won't leave it as long next time to get you on the show. Thank you for your time, and we'll speak again very soon. Yeah, cheers, man. Nice and jolly.
Okay, that wraps up episode 92 of the Boxar Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A big thank you to our two guests, the former IBF featherweight world champion, Billy Dibb, and the new WBO intercontinental champion, Gary Corcoran. This has been episode 92. In that time, we've brought you over 187 guests, including over 30 world champions. This, my friends, is the podcast to listen to but without the listeners it would all be for nothing thank you for making this podcast the number one boxing podcast on the net you can all take it easy this weekend enjoy yourselves sit back put your feet up it's a boxingless weekend and it's a perfect one to spend a bit of time with the family tell the wife she does in fact come before boxing say all the love yous and all the right things and get it all done before next weekend comes about (laughs) thank you for listening people and we'll be back next week God bless.